The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 400. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back in the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, McClanahan.com. While you're there, give us an email address. We'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to McClanahanAcademy.com, McClanahanAcademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do enroll, 10 Myths of American History, and you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. Uh, and I do have a new course coming out this week. So if you're a member over there, you're going to get the deal. If you're not a member, you're not going to get the deal. So you want to head over. This class is going to be really good. It is really good. And I'm, I'm really excited for it. This is going to be a four-part series. This is part one. And it's just fantastic. It's going to change minds about the Constitution, I think. Maybe not for you, because you're already on board with this, but it's going to give you the ammunition you need to help change minds for people that may not be on board. Maybe you're a new listener and you don't know my positions on the Constitution, where you're going to get them in that class. So you want to head over to McClanahan Academy, enroll free of charge, get the free class, and then get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. Okay. Also, you can support the show by going to brianmcclanahan.com. Click on that support tab. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep these lights on, help keep the podcasts going. You can click on that shop tab while you're there. Get your Brian McClanahan Show logo and all kinds of cool stuff. You can purchase one of my books. I've got a lot of those. So my newest book, Southern Scribblings. Uh, it's a great book, 60 Essays in Defense of the Southern Tradition. I've got other stuff coming out this year, so you're going to want to stay up to date on that. That's where if you give me that email address, I'll let you know what's going on. And always share this podcast around on social media. Uh, you know, Rate it wherever you get your podcasts. Let people know that you're thinking locally and acting locally. I do get emails all the time from people saying, hey, look, I've, I've started doing this. It's really changed how I think about American politics. It's, it started to change how I think about my community. I'm more involved in that. I mean, these are great things uh, to do because this is how we change the world, right? you got to start small and then go from there. And I've been talking about this for years. It seems like, uh, you know, watching the Super Bowl, um, there are all these commercials about, you know, shop local, support your local community. I mean, this is stuff I've been saying for years. It's what we've always, should always been doing. I mean, but now because of COVID, we got to, you know, st start avoiding the big box stores. But uh, regardless, uh, these are important things in these very strange times, but they're important things even if everything was normal right now. You still should be thinking locally and acting locally. All right. Well, this is a Think Locally, Act Locally episode, and I'm going to comment on a piece that came out in the AP about uh, some initiatives that one state is doing to try to generate business interests in the state. And it's presented as kind of this resurgence of localism, but it's really not. In fact, what it what it is, is a resurgence of the company town. Now, I'm going to get into both those aspects of this. Is this a good thing for localism? 
On the other hand, what about the company town? What did the company town actually provide? And where does the Southern tradition fit in that? I mean, this is you know, something that, it, does it fit within that at all, or is this something completely outside of that? So let's go to the article. Again, it was published in the AP, and this is about Nevada. It came out February 3rd, 2021. Nevada bill would allow tech companies to create governments. Now, first of all, this shows you who really has the power in this particular situation. The headline says it all. Sovereignty resides within the people of the state, and more importantly, you know, the state. So the Nevada state of Nevada is allowing tech companies to create governments. Essentially, what they're going to let them do is create county governments. So it shows you very clearly that the state controls the county governments. It controls the city governments. This is when I get questions about this all the time. Hey, uh, you know, can I can the cities nullify state laws? Well, technically, no, they can't. The state has all the control, and the state has all the control of the general government as well. You see, this is a nice segue into real federalism. The state controls not just the counties and the cities, but it also controls the general government. You see. The states granted, the people of the states granted the general government the powers that they have. By simply granting a power, that means you have the power to grant it. And what does it also mean? Well, I can rescind that power. I've said this before. Maybe you haven't gone back and listened to all these episodes. This is, by the way, it's fitting that this is uh, a Think Locally, Act Locally episode, because this is episode 400, right? So, I mean, here we are, 400. So maybe you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to 400 episodes. But I've talked about this before. If, if somebody grants you something, that means they have the authority to do it, and that also means they can rescind that grant at any time. Right? So who granted the power to the central authority? Well, the states did. The people of the states, if you want to get real technical. But the states, because the Constitution was ratified by the states, the states could decide to join the union or not. So the states did that. On the other hand, they also have the power to grant companies, governments within the state, essentially corporate entities of the state, when you look at counties or cities. So that's part of the situation as well. So the state has all the power. Again, so if I, if I granted you the authority to say, if we were in a class together and I said, all right, you grade your tests and I get all the tests back and they're all 100s, well, I could, I could say, well, I, I take that power away from you and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grade them now. Right? So, I mean, this is, this is what happens. If I have the authority to do it, well, then I also have the authority to rescind that. So all powers granted, all legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress. So all legislative powers granted are granted by the people of the states. So let's read this particular piece. Planned legislation to establish new business areas in Nevada would allow technology companies to effectively form separate local governments. Democratic Governor Steve Sisolak announced a plan to launch so-called innovation zones in Nevada to jumpstart the state's economy by attracting technology firms. The zones would permit companies with large areas of land to form governments carrying the same authority as counties, including the ability to impose taxes, form school districts and courts, and provide government services. Now, this is a company town. This isn't a 
local initiative where people moved into an area and they petitioned to form a government. My, my first thought of this is that the companies, as company towns did, would control the entire legal apparatus of these new government entities. Essentially, they'd be creating little fiefdoms within the state of Nevada. Now, you could say that could be a good thing in some ways. It's like a great big homeowners association, sort of, but the p- employees in the town wouldn't have much say as to what happened because the corporate entity would control the city. So if you go in, even a homeowners association, if you go in to a community that's new, generally the builder controls the homeowners association. The people really don't have much say about anything. So if you go into this particular situation, you you start working for you know tech company, uh, whatever it is, tech company uh, Computer Inc., right? Computer Inc. goes in and they create this, this uh, they buy up all this land. It's over, I have to have like 78 square miles, it tells you. 78 square miles of land. So they, they buy up 78 square miles of land. And Computer Inc. becomes Computer Inc. Nevada, right? Zip code, you know, 123456, whatever it is, 7. Whatever. So you got this, 123456. So you got this, this, new, uh, this new corporate entity. The people that work for Computer Inc. aren't going to have any control over that government. It tells you later on. They won't. So the Computer Inc. is going to control virtually every aspect of that particular town. Now, this is paternalism. You saw this a lot in the 19th century, into the early 20th century. You saw it a lot in mill towns. Uh, And in the South, these things were very popular after the war, in the postbellum period. In the North, they were popular before the war, in the antebellum period. The Lowell model, Lowell, Massachusetts. You had these mill towns. And of course, the, the idea was that the mill would be established and then they would bring in workers. Generally in New England, it would be women who would work in these towns. They would set up dormitories and houses for other people that were maybe the, the managers and skill workers and accountants and bean counters and people like that. They would have other houses. You would establish uh, churches and schools and businesses so these people could shop. You'd be paid sometimes in company dollars. You'd get credits that you could go use at the company store. And, of course, the company store is owned by the company, and so they make 100% profit on this. They're getting the money back that they give you. But on the other hand, the idea of paternalism is that you could have higher wages, you would take care of people, you would have adequate living conditions. You would have a more agreeable environment to live in. Now, with the increase in comforts, a lot of this stuff started to go away. As we started to see an increase in the standard of living, people didn't want to live in the company town anymore because the company wasn't building palatial houses. You didn't really have a choice. The company wasn't giving you all the options you could get by being outside the company town, and you didn't really have any control over what happened in the company town in terms of government. The company did everything, right? So this was not a good situation for people when you started seeing the ability to be a little more mobile, when you started seeing an increase in the standard of living. For a time, this sounded great. Because you had the general comforts of life. If you're a a manual laborer and you're an unskilled manual laborer, well, this is a good deal for you because you're going to get better stuff. Maybe you get access to health care that you didn't have before. You get a school, maybe a a better school. 
and and people said this all the time. There was a, you know, people moved off the farms in the South, the cotton farms, where they were just you know dirt farmers. They were eking by, uh, you know, ver- barely getting by, and they would go work in the mills for you know a quarter a day, whatever it was. And the whole family will work in the cotton mill, and they, that would be better to them because they would at least have some comforts. They would be in, a, in an area where they might have some access to education or maybe some health, rudimentary health care, some things like that that they didn't have on the farm. Right. So this was an advantage for people in the early stages of industrialization. Now, I'm not sure how this is going to work now, but this idea of paternalism, you look at someone like uh, the Callaway family, Fuller Calloway, who was a very famous Southern industrialist, and he, uh, Ida Wells interviewed him. Uh, and um, he talked about the fact that his company, Town, made American citizens. The whole idea was that you got people in, you gave them a garden. He talked about this. You give a woman a garden, she never wants to go anywhere. And so what you started seeing across the South as these textile mills would pop up everywhere, because why not? You've got the raw materials right here for it. Why ship it off to New England or Europe to create manufactured goods or South America or wherever it is? Why do that when you can just manufacture it right here? So you'd see these mill towns pop up. It was cheaper to have it manufactured in the South where labor costs were lower. Now, of course, textile companies are following labor costs and they're starting to set up textile mills in Vietnam and or they have been, Vietnam and Mexico and Indonesia, wherever else they can get it, where they... I mean, they have access to the raw materials there as well, so why not just set up shop there? But these company towns would would pop up, and you'd have everyone built around that mill, and you'd get schools and everything else, and health care, and government services, all kinds of things, and it'll all be built around the town. And you'd have these mills operating three eight-hour shifts. 24 hours a day, the mills would would be humming along. And you'd have people going to work, and then you'd have a whole industry, all kinds of industries pop up around this stuff. Uh, and the city near where I used to live, uh, you know, was basically a mill city. That's all it was in the 19th century. And you had little areas of the city that were built around these various mills. Some of them were specifically created just for that mill itself. So this was a big deal in the 19th century. And Fuller Calloway, of course, he was building mills. All over North Georgia, or I say mid Middle Georgia, excuse me, all over Middle Georgia, uh, and areas that he could have some control over the local government as well. I mean, he gave a lot of money away to that area. Look, the whole that the city of Lagrange would not really exist without the Callaway family and the amount of money they pumped into it. The college that's in Lagrange wouldn't really exist without the Callaway family. I mean, there, there's so that money went back in the community. And people enjoyed this for a time. There was this video of the uh, Sylacauga, Alabama, uh, mill town, where they were selling the mill town on the fact that you had gardens. You got these services out of it. So this is exactly what Nevada is trying to do. So let me continue with this piece. The measure to further economic development with the alternative form of local government has not yet been introduced in the legislature. Sisolak pitched the concept in the State of the State Address delivered January 19th. The plan would bring in new businesses at the forefront of groundbreaking technologies without the use of tax abatements 
or other publicly funded incentive packages that previously helped Nevada attract companies like Tesla. So this is a different situation. Now, you see, states have been doing this also for years. Hey, you put your factory here, you don't have to pay any taxes for like 50 years. And the idea is that it's going to bring, it's going to get people to go work there. So you're going to create some tax revenue because you've got more people there. So that's going to create income tax revenue and also sales tax revenue and other things. But the company itself isn't going to pay any taxes. So what they're saying here is, hey, this is better because we're not giving them any tax breaks. They're going to pay taxes, but they get to kind of create their own taxes in some ways. And and uh, but they get to control the government here, so we're not we're not giving them handouts to come in, other than it's still a handout, but you get to create your own government. Sisalact named Blockchains as a company that had committed to developing a smart city in the area east of Reno after the legislation is passed. The draft proposal said the traditional local government model is inadequate alone to provide the resources to make Nevada a leader in attracting and retaining businesses and fostering economic development in emerging technologies and industries. The traditional local government model. No, no, we're not going to have that anymore. You get to control your own local government. We're not going to let... What he's saying here is that if blockchains wants to move into what's a matter, Nevada, right? And you got the people already in what's a matter, Nevada. And now they're going to start trying, hey, we don't want this big factory here. We don't want all this here. We don't want all the construction, the noise, the pollution. We don't want that stuff. So the local community would try to block it. Now, this could happen. Generally, it doesn't, but it could. Or the local community is going to try to put some restrictions on what blockchains can do. So Nevada's saying, hey, forget that. We're going to bypass all of that. You find 78 square miles of undeveloped land. You put your city right there and go to it. Now, this has been done before all over the world. The United States was doing this all over the world. Uh, There was a very famous instance of this in Brazil, Ford Motor Company back in the early 20th century created a city in Brazil called Fordlandia. And uh, Fordlandia became a ghost town (laughs) because it didn't work. So what happens when blockchains comes in and blockchains put the city there and blockchains goes bankrupt? What happens when that happens? The whole city then is gone. There was the Pullman... Uh, sleeping car company, Pullman, Illinois. It's the same thing. You had Sears for a time actually creating, you could buy your house out of the Sears catalog and they created whole subdivisions in different parts of, of the Midwest that were built of Sears houses. And these things were junk, right? They were terrible. You built the house yourself. So what happens when all that goes away? So you see, this is not organic. This is not an organic situation. And certainly people say, well, we need companies to move in and help do things. Uh, And that brings people into work. But you want some organic growth. This is not organic. This is top-down, created local situations. The Governor's Office of Economic Development would oversee applications for the zones, which would be limited to companies working in specific businesses, business areas including blockchain, Autonomous technology, the Internet of Things, robotics, artificial intelligence, wireless, biometrics, and renewable resource technology. So they are putting some restrictions on what... It's just like, hey, Amazon wants to come out and put a big city in there. No, Amazon can't do that. Now, if you are making robotics, if you're the if you're Terminator Inc., right, and you want to go out there and you want to make T-1000s, uh, 
uh, you can do that because that's artificial intelligence and it's robotics and uh, that that goes a long way. Uh, so you you can do that, but uh, forget about some other company doing anything that's not technology. So this is targeted, but again, the state is directing how these things are going to work. And let me get to the other part of it. Zone requirements would include applicants owning at least 78 square miles of undeveloped, uninhabited land within a single county, but separate from any city, town, or tax increment area. Companies would have at least $250 million and plans to invest an additional $1 billion in their zones over 10 years. So you got to have a pretty good chunk of change. $1.25 billion just to get this going. But initial $250 million. You just can't be some little, little startup tech company. you got to have some cash. So that's the hope that these things won't go under. But think about Ford. Ford's still around. They put this Fordlandia in Brazil, and it just tanked. They decided they didn't want to do it anymore. So they just left it. Now it's a big ghost town. And we've had ghost towns throughout American history. They're all over the place in the mining areas of the West. So, I mean, this could create another situation. This is not think locally, act locally. This is just another way for states to try to, to get business initiative in their state without giving away the farm with taxes, though they're going to let these companies do whatever they want in these areas. Here it is. The zones would initially operate with the oversight of their local location counties, but would eventually take over county duties and become independent governmental bodies. So initially, they're going to operate with oversight of their local, of their location counties. So in, uh, in County uh, Desert in Nevada, uh, the, the Desert County Commission would initially have oversight over Blockchain Inc., right? Initially would have oversight, but eventually Blockchain Inc., or, uh, or Terminator Inc. would uh, be able to operate independently. And at that point, the zones would have three-member supervisor boards with the same powers as county commissioners. The businesses would maintain significant tr- control over board membership. So in other words, you're working for Terminator Inc. Uh, you're also on the county commission or the supervisory board. You're in both, and you're going to control what everybody does in that town. It doesn't. I mean, this is not a a real positive think locally, act locally situation. I mean, it, it could theoretically work. You know, we some some company towns function okay, and and you look at the idea nowadays coming out of business school where you have to you know, you're the uh, the object which has been developed over time is create family type communities and businesses and and have some some flexible. Uh, personal relationship programs with your employees. They'll be happier. They'll work better for you. They'll just, they'll do more. This was the idea. And so perhaps, I mean, you look at, there were a very funny movie. Remember the, uh, it's uh, with, uh, about Google, where they had, you know, little pods and they get your dry cleaning and all this kind of stuff, right? I mean, this is not the old thing. You get here at eight, you work eight to five. And if you're one minute past eight, they're going to brutally, uh, dock your pay and these kind of the idea is more human relationships in business and so I'm sure that a lot of these companies a lot of these tech companies in particular have some of these policies in place so when you listen to what happens with Tesla you know Elon Musk is just a complete jerk 
when it comes, when, I mean, that's that's the r- rumors that he's a real jerk. Same thing with Apple. All these big tech companies, the guys that really drive these things, that have started them and made them what they are, they are not easy to work for. They are perfectionists and they are brutal. And so, you know, that is where the innovation comes from. But then they also, there's also this idea they have to treat their workers a certain way and so maybe, or maybe would go back to the where you had strikes in, in Pullman when they cut wages but didn't cut rent or anything else. Uh, you know, maybe you get that situation again. Blockchain Inc. or Terminator Inc. is not make ter- Terminator Inc. is not making enough T one thousands. Arnold Schwarzenegger has passed on, and uh, so they can't have the model for Arnold anymore. Uh, so they gotta stop making that one. Uh, maybe that happens. I don't know. And ter- and so they gotta cut wages. You know, people are starting buying their Terminators. And so, I mean, that's it. Uh, who knows? But th- this is an interesting idea, not really a Think Locally, Act Locally initiative, in my mind. I mean, this is a company town. This is basically taking an old 19th century model and putting it into the 21st century and hoping it's going to work and hoping it's going to drive people into Nevada so that they come and they pay taxes I mean, that's, that's the idea. They come and they pay taxes. You're going to pay your state taxes. You're going to do that anyways. Uh, so it's to, it's to get people into the state. Gambling wasn't doing it, I guess, and some of the other things you can do in Nevada. None of that was working. The tourist industry is way down, so they're going to try to get tech companies. It's way down because uh, the state locking everything down. I mean, the state of Nevada could have decided they were going to keep things open. They could have done any of that, but they didn't. So uh, this is another way to try to get people in the door, so to speak, of Nevada and set up shop there. States are always looking for, for ways in rows to try to compete and, and uh, work against other states to try to, to generate business and, and uh, provide jobs for the people in those states. I mean, as we've moved away from an agricultural society into a suburban urban society, people need jobs to try to buy houses and cars and clothes and all these kind of things. And so maybe the idea is by giving some of these services that they could do that or let the companies decide how these things are allocated, that would get people interested in moving into Nevada. Time will tell, but uh, I don't think this is really a think locally, act locally initiative worth following. What we really need is organic growth and w- because the companies are going to control how these cities do this. Now, on the other hand, these cities could be fairly autonomous and start thumbing their nose at the state. That could happen. But you got to remember how they were created. The state is allowing them to do this. So I'm sure, I mean, there's all kinds of legal provisions within this. If they don't do certain things, they're going to revoke the chart, all this kind of stuff. I mean, this is where the state is still going to have complete control over these particular counties. They're not going to be autonomous at all. And the people of these counties, these company towns, aren't really going to have much control over the local government either. And this is where I say this is not really a positive thing. What I suggest is that people go out and get involved in their cities and their counties and their towns and get on the school board, get on the county council, get on the town council. I received an email from someone saying they got on the Republican. they're, They're now leading the Republican Party in their area. I mean, this is how the progressives did it. They joined the Rotary Club 
and they started going to different things as the Rotary Club, and they started influencing local politicians that way. You can use your party mechanism to do it, too. There's all kinds of ways to do this. But having the state create these separate corporate towns, I don't think is the way to go. And uh, it's a a 19th century model adapted for 21st century circumstances. All right. So episode 400 is in the books. If you haven't listened to the previous 399 episodes, what the heck are you waiting on? Get back there and listen to these things. The very first episode I did was on Donald Trump uh, back in March of 2016. So we're coming up and we're not, we're about a month out from the, uh, from the fifth anniversary of the Brian McClanahan show, which is pretty amazing when I think about it. But 400 episodes will be well over 400 episodes by that point. I appreciate every single one of you, just as a, as a side note here on the 400th episode, listening to this show, being involved in this show, sending me your show requests and suggestions. This was actually a listener-generated episode. I was included in a social media thread. So and also the article also was then run on uh, Drudge Report. But... Um, this is, I mean, it's, it's been a fantastic 400 episodes. I really do appreciate all of the kind words and support that I get from people uh, over all these years. And thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for making it part of your life. Because I do think that for some people, I mean, they look for this. Unfortunately, I can only produce a couple of episodes a week right now. And uh, that's probably going to be the way. I've got the Abbeville Institute podcast, which we're rocking on well over 200 episodes on that podcast as well. So if you can head over to that one, abbevilleinstitute.org. Get the podcasts over there. It's all things Southern. It's a little different than this one. But these things are a lot of fun to produce, and I do it for you, and I hope you enjoy them every day. So let people know you like it. Okay? I'll see you next time for the next Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.